All right, everybody. Welcome back to this Ocean Life podcast. I am thrilled to be here and thrilled to be your host. Uh, my name is Josh Peterson. Uh, today, it's a super duper triple double uh, special episode uh, with a person who I think a lot of us who surf, grew up surfing, really kind of look up to. And um, it's Jerry Lopez. I mean, I can't even keep describing him. That's all you really need to say, you know. And uh, fortunate enough to be doing some work uh, and sharing some uh, stories with, you know, Molokai to Oahu, uh, you know, hands down, kind of the gnarliest paddleboard race in the world. And I connected with Jerry Lopez to talk about some of his past experiences doing the uh, relay team across the channel and some great perspective from a guy who's been, you know, in the water for a long time and part of a a rich history of both surfing and prone paddling uh, with designing boards, uh, being in a community of people who are paddling, being part of the race, uh, just a lot of great perspective from a really great guy. So I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, I know I did, and it's so much fun to hear somebody like this with so much knowledge and history of, uh, you know, such a legendary sport of paddling and an event like M2O. Now, I got to tell you, I am really sorry about the quality of this episode. I had a technical malfunction about one minute into talking with Jerry, and I had to kind of scramble, change some stuff on my end to record, and uh, what we came out with is not as good of quality as I'd hoped. Uh, so I want to apologize to you all uh, and Jerry as well. Just, you know, technical stuff, meltdowns happen, unfortunately. But thanks for bearing with me. Uh, thanks for being here. I'd love to hear your thoughts about um, these stories we're, you know, we're focusing on. And hope you're getting in the water as always. Hope we're reducing the plastics. It's a big deal. We all know it. And uh, it's not easy to do. But I tell you, um, it's going to make a big difference in the long run if we can all mellow out on the straws, plastic, you know, cup containers and all that stuff. So with that, let's get into Jerry Lopez. Talk about Molokai to Oahu. What was the first year? When was the first year that you did Molokai to Oahu, the event? (laughs) It seems like a long time ago now. But... um... You know, when I was a kid, they had a Molokai to Oahu paddle race. You know, they always had the canoe races, but the paddle races, uh, I don't think they had them that often. And, in fact, I don't think they were... Well, you know, there was less liability back then, so <laughs> I don't think everyone even had a chase for it. I think they had several uh, event boats, but yeah. everybody was pretty much on their own. Right, right, and, free for all. You know, this, this was, uh, i say, back in the early 60s. Yeah, wow. I think. I'm not, you know, you might want to research that, find out. But I always thought that was pretty intriguing, and... You know, then there was always uh, pictures that would come out of the um, outrigger, the canoe, you know, six-man races across the channel. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times they'd have that um, a little earlier in the year when the chicks were bigger. And, man, there'd be seas where you could see that the, these canoes were at like a 45-degree angle. Yeah. So, you know, the swells were, like, huge. And um, that was always really cool. And then, you know, Mike Takahashi 
with Quicksilver, I don't know when it was, back in the, I think it was the early 90s or so, he, um, we always did a lot of battle boarding together, so it's long before stand-up. Right. Um, he wanted to bring the race back, because between him and, and all the events, you know, that would happen in Hawaii, and Dennis Pang and I kind of, in a way, um, helped to, you know, with a, a few other guys, revive the uh, the whole prone paddleboarding thing by, you know, making um, new shapes. Right. And so we were all into that, and, you know, we used to race against Mike all the time, and, mm-hmm. you know, some good times. But then Mike, you know, said, okay, we got to do the Molokai race again. And, you know, 30 miles on your belly was uh, <laughs> too much. And by then I had already moved to um, here to Oregon. So, right. you know, I was going, yeah, I don't want to do it. And those guys <laughs> did it. And then, you know, the first year um, that Archie Kalepa kind of unofficially did it on the stand-up board, I was just beginning to become interested in stand-up. I had made Laird some boards, and, you know, here in Oregon, um, the water was really cold. And yeah. Actually, I became really good friends with uh, um, Dave Chun at Kealoha Paddles. And so, you know, initially, um, I put him and Laird together to get paddles for paddle boards because there weren't any. Nobody was making them yet. Right. And um, so that, you know, one thing led to another between Laird and Dave. And then I got interested. And I really got into it. And, and then um, Jay Longley and I were, Sparky of Rainbow Sandals, were um, talking to Ron House. And Sparky said, we should make an event of our own. And, you know, I remember from the prone paddleboard days, that uh, paddling race in and out through the waves was really exciting. So we um, started the Battle of the Paddle. And then right about, I think, the second year or so, Quicksilver, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, ended their sponsorship of the um, Molokai race. So... Sparky said, well, we should uh, sponsor that, and we should go do it. And I went, okay, on a paddleboard, it won't be so bad. And, you know, then we had, um, it was a team thing, so Sparky and I, and Edmund Pistana, who, you know, he and I go back to teenage years in Hawaii, um, and all the early prone paddleboarding. He was the one who kind of kept it alive through the 70s and 80s when, um, you know, there was really low interest in it. And, um, yeah, so he came on the boat with us just to kind of set the course and, and uh, help us through the thing because it was our first time. And he he was a veteran of the channel. And right. So that was our first year, you know, the, the Rainbow um Sponsored the event, and yeah. Sparky and I paddled as a team, and 
you know, of course, we screwed up, and right off the start, we started taking the glides and went too far south, and then, you oh. know, really had to fight to get back um, at the end there, you know, through right. approaching Cocoa Head. Yeah. And finally, Sparky gave out, you know, and I think at one point, I ended up on my knees for a long ways, too. I just, you know, watches too much on the beam and right. um, too much left side paddling. And then finally, you know, got in the range and we finished it up and we actually paddled across the finish line together. And that was our first year. And then we came back the next year and we did it with Edmund on a, he had a beautiful 17 foot Nash, you know, that had steering, which really made it oh, yeah, a lot definitely. better. And, you know, we went north off <laughs> to start, and uh, so we had a much better run. And then Sparky got tired, and Edmund got seasick. So oh, no. <laughs> I ended up, you know, finishing it up. And, you know, I grew up right in that area, so the finish for me was right through an area that I was, pretty intimately familiar with. I surfed Portlock Point there, China Walls, yeah. a million times. Right. And, you know, the wind was coming out of the valley, and it was oh, terrible. Yeah. And everybody was going in the channel. And back then, um, there wasn't uh, really I – mean, you'd have to check with Shannon what year that was, but um, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Early 2000s, maybe. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, I went in right along the cliff there and caught a little wave and caught a, uh, another wave at second point and just kind of hugged the shoreline, kind of stayed out of the wind and went yeah. in really close to um, Portlock Home Road there mm -hmm. um, and came in. And I could see all these guys just struggling, you know, in the channel, in the wind, yeah. trying to go upwind. And I kind of passed a bunch of guys right there. And so I came in, you know, and we were, I don't know, midfield or something. But, you know, we had a good time. Yeah. And, um, and then the next year, I went with some other guys, uh, longtime friends of mine. And, you know, we tried to be a little bit more serious. And um, there were... Uh, the other guys we were going against was Kaipo Guerrero, Kent Cam, and I think it was Herbie Titcom in the other boat. And, um, you know, so we kind of battled each other the whole way across. And, and Kaipo's dad, Ant, is a old-time beach boy, um, long-time, many times, you know, channel yeah. crossing veteran and... So it was a pretty close race, but somehow we got ahead. And in the end, it was, I think I had about a quarter mile lead on Kaipo as we were coming across, you know, just past Anama Bay. And he's a lot younger than I am. And he caught up <laughs> to me just as we were rounding the corner um, right there at, at, you know, Portlock Point. Yeah. And so, again, my strategy was 
famous the year before. I was just going to uh, hug the wall. Yep. And I came in, and by then we were, you know, neck and neck. And I knew he was going to get me because he was stronger and younger. <laughs> and I was a little more determined. But a little wave came. There's this one little rock that, you know, always surges up. Um, and there wasn't much swell that year. And this one little wave came, and I kind of squeezed him into the channel and managed to just go over that rock as the wave came. So I caught it. Huh. And, um, you know, it didn't take me that far, but it got me pretty far ahead of him. You know, and I was like, I don't know, maybe 100 feet ahead of him. <laughs> and I figured, yeah, this ain't much, you know. But <laughs> you'll take it. <laughs> doing that kind of broke him. And all of a sudden, I saw veer off to the left, you know, to go back to the boat, paint paddler. And I went, wow, I got him. And, you know, when we got to shore, um, Herbie, who was, you know, he used to be my manager, laughing. He goes, oh, we're in the boat. And Ants was going, oh, okay, the kid got him. The kid got him. <laughs> You're going to get the old man. And, you know, he all of a sudden they saw me catch that little tiny wave and just yeah. kind of get out ahead. And then, you know, they saw type of kind of give up right give there. Up. Shoulder and, slump. <laughs> and Ants, Herbie told me Ants went, oh, the old man got him. Oh, they probably gave a bunch of grief for that when he got in. <laughs> uh, I mean, every time I see Kaipo and I just saw him, you know, just a couple of weeks ago in Bali, um, we were both there. He was there for the, he does a really fine job of announcing now for the WSL. Yeah. So he was there for the event there at Karamas and I was there doing a yoga retreat. And we laughed about that. I go, Oh, I can't believe I got you on that. He goes, I can't believe it either. You, you broke my spirit. That's, you know, you didn't beat me, but you broke my spirit. And I went, you know, you would have got me in the end if you just hung in there. And he yeah, goes, man. yeah, but at the time I never knew that. So that was kind of my most fun story of uh, Molokai. Uh, you know, I think we did it the next year as well, but. That year was really the best, I thought. Yeah, that's so much fun. No, so, Jerry, I mean, you're kind of touching on the community aspect of, of the event, which is so neat because a lot of times you have people from around the world who don't really see each other too often um, until the event comes, right? And everybody goes through the same challenges. There's physical challenges, mental challenges. And what it does, you know, my observation, it kind of brings this community, kind of global community of paddlers together, you know? So, and what's your perspective on the community aspect, you know, um, that the event kind of, um, you know, brings? Well, that's always been the, um, you know, overriding part of all these paddling events, whether they're the canoes, the one man, the, you know, the six men, the early prone guys. Yeah. Everybody looked out for each other. Everybody was in it together. And, you know, nobody was going to let somebody else, you know, 
get in danger or, or be in peril or anything like that for the race, they would immediately, you know, stop and go and help if that happened. And that was, I think, always been the nature of the events crossing the channel because, you know, when you put yourself up against that channel, I remember a story one time, you know, I've crossed the channel a number of times in boats. Yeah. And, um, I remember a story that a couple wrote about, you know, they were sailing from the East coast and they wanted to go to Hawaii and, you know, they sailed around the, the, um, the tip of South America and they got into a, a storm there, you know, a pretty good storm demasted them. I mean, they were adrift, you know, for a long time. Of course, modern times, you know, somebody came and got them, towed them back to Chile, you know, got them going again. They sailed to Hawaii and they crossed the Molokai Channel, you know, sailing north to Oahu. Mm -hmm. And they said that was infinitely more fierce and more scary than the whole episode, you know, that happened to them going around the, the tip of South America. Oh, man. Um, you know, so that right there, I mean, yeah. you know, to get in a, a situation like that where, you know, you demasted and, you know, you think right. you're going down and then, you know, getting through that and then going and sailing across the Molokai Channel, they must have gone, you know, when it was pretty big seas. Right. And um, to, have, <clears throat> to have the crap scared out of them like that, you know, and they were, I mean, pretty, you know, <laughs> experienced at that point in time. But, you know, that's always been the nature of that channel. It's, um, it's scary, you know, and you're out there and the water's black and, you know, you always, I don't know if it's your imagination or if they're actually there, but, oh, was, what was that that just went by? That was big. <laughs> That's right. You know, see that lot, um, you have to all be together, you know, yeah. in it. Yeah. And so that's the, the great part, you know, the few days there, you know, the writers' meetings, the you know, everybody getting together and, and uh, holding hands before the start and then getting out there. And then, you know, I mean, everybody's like, you know, rail to rail to begin with. And inside of 10 or 15 minutes, the field is spread out. And within half an hour, you can barely see the guy closest to you. That's right. And, you know, in an hour, I mean, you need binoculars to see anyone. It, it just spreads out. It's a huge channel. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have no idea what that's like. And it's pretty frightening. You know, I mean, of course, now it's safe. You know, each guy's got a chase boat. Well, you know, your boat could crap out. They yeah. do every once in a while. You know, equipment breakdowns. I mean, anything can happen out there. Yeah. So it's quite an event. You know, now that um, it's become so much more popular, too, that, you know, people come from all around the world just to be able, you know, to say, yeah, I did that event. And, 
It wasn't as heavy as I heard it was, you know. And <laughs> I know the last couple of years they've had a really good course. The wind's been good. You know, yeah. there's been swell. And the times they've set some record times. And that's always great, you know. But I remember the first time when we did it, you know, afterwards talking to Dave Kalama, who, you know, I've known since he first came back to Maui in the um, back in the 70s or the early 80s. Um, and, you know, he's been across that channel so many times. So, yeah. And I asked him, is that any good? And he said, no. You know, you're always fudging to the right, trying to stay north. You want to go left because that's the way the swell takes you. And it's just, you know, it's a struggle the whole way. There's not, yeah. nothing ever easy about it. You know, you, you get some glides, but they're not the greatest. Yep. And um, it's a battle. You know, you have to fight your way across that channel. And I always thought that the way the canoes go, if you ended up in Waikiki, you know, and you could let it go more downwind, that right. would be a much better crossing. Yep. And yep. Um, the only trouble with that was it added, you know, almost another 8 or 10 miles on the course. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> Everybody went, oh, I don't know if we can, you know, 33 miles is enough. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then and then negotiating the surf and Waikiki after paddling for, you know, 36, 38 miles <laughs> could be tough, too. <laughs> well, I mean, that would be great, you know, to ride away to the beach. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they always would finish right there, you know, where it was easy to come straight in. Um, yeah somewhere old man's or you know yeah. someplace like that that would have been the gravy right right to so, be able to surf to the finish but you know so what do you think Jerry, about like event. yeah sorry what do you think about like the mental aspect of it you know there's the the physical demand demands of just you know your body um, and your coordination and balance and all of that just to kind of physically move through the channel. Then there's a the mental aspect too, you know, when you're looking out and you're seeing maybe Hanama Bay or wherever, whatever point of view of the land you're looking at and you're, you're working hard and you're hoping it gets bigger because it means you're getting closer, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, there's always a lot of mental challenges uh, in the channel. What about from your perspective, you know, doing a team for a few different years? Are there any kind of mental pieces that you guys sort of struggled with or overcame? Well, I think the mental part is, is all on the guys going solo. You know, with the team, since you get tired, you know, you just look at the boat and go change. <laughs> and, you, know, you know, with the team, it's damn easy. It's really doable. You know, I've encouraged guys who had an interest in it to, to do that, to, you know, get a team, any team. Yeah. I mean, even if some of the paddlers are weak, you know, it's okay. The other ones will make up for it. But you get, you know, you get the switch. You get to jump in the boat. You get to rehydrate. You get to rest. You get to get dry again, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, you're actually dying to get back in the water the next time. But, right. you know, there's a point there, especially if you've gone too south on your course and you're nearing Oahu that for a long time, it doesn't get closer, you know, and you're going, man, am I even moving, you know? <laughs> you got the boat there, and, you know, he's saying, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're getting there, but slowly, 
<laughs> it's a struggle. And, it, you know, mentally that can be defeating. I mean, just like that story I told you about Kaipo, you know. I mean, yeah. we had both come all the way across the channel and kept paddling. But mentally, you know, at one point something broke there. Right. That's right. <laughs> or fell off the shelf, you know, for him. And, and that was it. And, you know, yeah. so we got that story between us that we can laugh about for the rest of time. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's the mental aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, have you ever been, uh, on a boat, like, uh, crewing for, for somebody who's paddling in the event and kind of seen it from that perspective? No, I've always paddled it. I, yeah, you know, I have no reason to cross that channel. <laughs> the crew. <laughs> I know that's a good point. <laughs> Great. Well, Jerry, I I really appreciate you sharing all this with us, man. Is there anything kind of anything else you'd like to throw in there? No, it's a great race, and for anyone who hasn't done it, um, it's really an experience of a lifetime. And you'll get out there, and you'll feel the 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 strength of that channel. You know, yeah. the Hawaiian's called the mana. Yep. And um, yeah. it's it's something that's larger than life, and mm-hmm. I don't think anyone is immune to to feeling that um, yeah. in the middle of that channel. Whether they're on the board or in the boat, mm-hmm. you're gonna feel it. It's a big channel, and you know it's um, it's a deep channel. Yeah. Apparently, at the you know deepest point, it's 600 fathoms, so it's. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ocean underneath you yeah. <laughs> as well as all around you even though it's you know it's only um, land to land from Molokai to um, Oahu there's a lot of water out there and all of it's moving yeah yeah indeed it's a special place well Jerry thank you so much I really appreciate you sharing with us and uh, it's an awesome perspective man thank you again Thanks, man. Okay, have a great day. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening uh, to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. And uh, so thrilled to have you here supporting uh, myself and the podcast and all the guests uh, continually. Always appreciate a positive um, rating on your uh, your podcast app, whether it be you know Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Just helps helps grow the podcast and uh, spread awareness. So thanks for that. And then any uh, social media mentions, always super appreciative. And uh, if you know somebody who you think would be great to have on the podcast to share about their ocean life, please hit me up. I'd love to chat with them. Or if you think you'd like to, let me know. Uh, Email is josh at thisoceanlife.tv. All right. Thanks, guys.